there's a powerful scripture verse. It's 2 Corinthians 5.20 in the Living Bible, and Paul's writing this to Christians. And he says this, Jesus Christ is pleading with you. Receive the love that God offers. You know, it's that love that drives out fear. It's that love that drives out confusion. It's that love that gives you a sound mind. Jesus has the answer for everything that we're dealing with. It's no problem for him. And he's pleading with us. Re receive that love. Well, I, I, there's a story I, I, I was thinking about here um, uh, as, I, as I was uh, hearing that song. And, um, um, you know, there was an eagle. And that's what God says about you and I. Where he compares us to eagles. Eagles are beautiful, strong birds. Uh, we're his sons and daughters. We're the cream that always rises to the crop. That's what God says about, to the top. That's what God always says about us. But this eagle, he normally would feed on fresh fish, but he saw a mole uh, scurrying along the ground and he picked it up and he is hungry. So with his talons, as he flew, he held onto that mole so tight, right up to his chest. And, um, and as he is flying along, he started to get weak. And, and uh, so, what he did, so he was forced to land, and pretty soon he fell right over dead. The mole scurried away. And um, they found that bird and brought it to a veterinarian because it looked perfectly fine on the outside. But what that bird didn't know is he's holding so tight to that mole that the mole had chewed through his chest into his heart, and the eagle bled to death. You know, a, lot, a lot of times it's like that. With us, we hang on to past disappointments. We hang on to fear. We hang on to regret or guilt. And, and, and it blocks us from receiving the love that God has for us that would, that, uh, that would see, God's got a wonderful future for each one of us. His mercy, uh, it's new every morning. The Hebrew word uh, for mercy there really is, is covenant. His covenant, his promise, his guarantee is new to us every morning. It, it, sometimes we just got to let go of stuff. Sometimes if you got fear, you just got to let it go. And, and, and the love of God empowers you and I to do that. If you got things in the past that, that, that bother you, sometimes you just got to let it go. It'll suck the life out of you and no point in it because the love of God will empower you to let those things go. And then you're free to receive all and be all that God has for you to be. He's got a powerful destiny, a wonderful future plan for each one of us. There's no point in us wringing our hands and, and, and being sad and depressed about things. God's got a new day. Every morning, it doesn't matter. The mistakes don't matter. He, he'll turn them into miracles. It, it, we just got to let it go. See, God puts our mistakes, our, our disappointments as far as the east is from the west. That's what he does. Why don't we do the same? I'm Jesus is here pleading with you and I, receive the love he offers. You, 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 your future is in, that, is in your decision to receive. Well, I'm gonna, I, I want it all. I got my hands open. I, I ain't got talons, but they're open. I'm going to let everything go because I want the future, see? I'm sure you do, too. <laughs> well, man, we're going to move on with our service here. Why, why don't you greet your neighbor?
Well, man, once again, thank you for coming to church today. Uh, we're just getting started here. We're, we got a picnic today. Pastor Steve's got an awesome message. It's my, it's my uh, privilege to receive God's tithes and our offerings today. We got some ushers around here. And if you're giving cash and would like a tax receipt, just lift up your hand and they'll give you an envelope. Um, uh, if you're making a check, why, it's Destiny Church. Well, if you're participating online, why, the address is up there. You'll see on on the screen, and, and, and also you can text to give. That's a very, um, a very convenient way to give. You know, in a lot of, well, in a practical aspect, why this time right here when we, uh, we receive God's tithes and, and our offerings is the most important part of our service here because it's our chance to add corresponding action to our faith. And so, uh, so I always like to pick out some scripture to stand on because this is this is an important time and and um, and so I got some scriptures today. You know, this is what God thinks about you and my money. Uh, in um, in Third John two, why God says this, and, and boy, catch this. He says, "I wish, I want above all things for you to prosper, or to, to be rich. To prosper means to be rich. I mean." We, we got all these religious words, but why don't we, why don't we just talk English here? Um, there's, above all things, God says. You, you know, that's why um, people have been waiting for Jesus to show up on earth for 4,000 years. Ever since the third chapter of, of Genesis. And, and when Jesus shows up in Luke 4, he announces, uh, you know, what he's going to do now that he's here. Uh, you know, the very first thing he says is that I came to preach good news to the poor. You don't have to be poor no more. I, I, I came to show you how to be rich. That's what he said. That's how important this, this is to God. So, I mean, you're thinking, well, how does God, uh, how does God intend to do that? Well, that, that's this time right here. You know, you know, Jesus says this. He says, if you give, you'll, you'll get good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It'll be heaped into, your, into our bosom, he says. Another place, uh, Mark 10, Jesus said, well, I guarantee you everything that you give to spread the gospel, you'll get back a hundred times as much. Well, over in Malachi, he says, if you give him the tithe, he's going to open up heaven to each one of us, and we can take whatever we want out of heaven and use it to live on the earth right here. So, man, I mean, this is a, this is a great opportunity. You know, God wants you and I to be rich. I want to be rich. <laughs> and, and I want to give God what he wants. So this is our chance to sow and to see that harvest right here. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I got every dollar planned of my harvest from this, from this time right here, this tithe and offering. So would you, would you agree with me in prayer over, over, our, um, over these tithes and offerings here? It's a big deal to God. Because he wants to see you and I blessed. Man, in Jesus' name, thank you, God. Uh, we just recognize everything that we have comes from you. Our next breath is, is a gift from you. And so right now, why your sons and daughters are here, they're, they're, they're bringing their tithe, uh, and, and they're bringing their offering here. And boy, we just, we just receive what you say in your word right here. 
We receive the hundred times back on these offerings. We, we receive the open heaven. Man, everything you have, you said, belongs to us. Because we're in partnership with you as we tithe. So we receive that in Jesus' name. I thank you. We expect, we expect to prosper. We expect to be rich. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, ushers, you can serve the people here. Uh, I got some announcements. The first one is we have a picnic today. And uh, boy, the White Horse Ranch is here. Uh, so there'll be horseback riding. A lot of food, man, and just, just, uh, just really uh, ask or invite everyone to stay. We're going to have a good time after church. The fellowship, if it, well, actually there's a pretty nice breeze outside and the sun's not, uh, not shining right now, so that, it'll be nice outside. It's nice inside, too, wherever you want to be. Um, so we got that going on today. L Ladies Connect coming up uh, July 21st, uh, Thursday. Uh, Shigitu uh, from Ethiopia is, is going to be speaking that night here. So, I, man, that's going to be really good if, you, if, you, if you're a lady. I, I know you'll enjoy that. Um, we got VBS in the park in Ashby, July 19th through the 21st. And it's children, um, uh, preschool, uh, uh, kindergarten through sixth grade. And, um, and you go online to register. It's... Um, it's, we're doing this in, uh, in, in partnership with the churches in Ashby. And so that, that's going to be a good time. We're, we're involved in that uh, as far as teaching and like that. Uh, and then, uh, and then you know, same as always, um, uh, after church here, I'm always at the table in the foyer. If you'd like to give us your telephone number and your email address, why we can keep you informed of what's going on here. Uh, got any questions about the church? Uh, we'll answer them. Uh, um, if you got any ideas of what we can do better, why well, I'd like to hear that too. We're, we're always trying to we're always trying to improve. So, boy, once again, thanks for being here. And Pastor C's got an awesome message. Amen. Praise God. God's good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. My wife's got something to want to say. She wants to say. Yeah, we have a new member here today. The Griddles, Connor and Caitlin had a brand new baby. So, do you guys want to stand and we can just. Welcome this. Her name is Camille. So now they're the parents of three daughters. This man is, he's being outnumbered, but he's okay with that. <laughs> but anyway, welcome. Welcome to the new baby. Let's all stand up and we're going to pray uh, for our nation. So um, just. Uh, Touch somebody that you came with and just let's agree together. Lord, thank you that we can come on behalf of our nation. You said that if we would pray for our leaders and our nation, that you would cause us to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And Lord, right now we just pray that this nation will live up to its God-ordained purpose and its God-ordained vision. We just declare that over this nation. We just thank you, God, that you're giving us leaders that are after your heart, hallelujah, Lord, that you're disrupting and overturning every policy, God, and every law that is contrary to your will and to your plan. We just thank you, Lord, that it's being overcome and overturned, and Lord, that you are bringing us back to a place of righteousness where we are honoring, God-honoring men and women, and we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, 
your mercy over this nation. Thank you, Lord, that mercy is we get what we don't deserve. We thank you for mercy, Lord, over this nation. And we just pray, God, for another great awakening to hit this nation, Lord. Hallelujah. We just refuse to give this nation up to anything other than your purposes, Lord, and your plan. We just thank you. We have come into agreement for uh, wisdom and for leaders of this nation and for every institution that it would be a place of righteousness. And we just come into agreement for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agrees, say amen. 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 Go ahead. You may be seated. So this morning, um, I have a message for you. Uh, mess my messages evolve or they come into existence a lot of different ways. And uh, so I thought, you know, I don't usually tell you how they came into existence, but I thought I'd tell you how this one came into existence. A bunch of us guys, a few of us guys were praying yesterday and had a prayer meeting and um, we were praying. And while we were praying, I had I remembered something that I felt like the Lord said to me a couple weeks ago when we were in worship. And um, and what the Lord said to me was um, that he's going to open up a fountain or a river of healing in this place. That's pretty good, isn't it? And so I thought, wow, that's powerful. It was so strong. It came on me so strong. I thought, that's powerful. And so when we were, when we were uh, praying yesterday, I remembered that. It came back to me while we were praying. So I, I asked the guys if we could pray specifically for that. And, we, and the verse that we used was Acts chapter 4. I want you to turn there real quickly. Acts chapter 4. This is the early church praying. This is what they prayed. In verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats. This is their prayer now. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. All boldness they may speak your word. And Lord, okay, keep going. And by stretching out your hand to heal. So the first thing they prayed for was boldness. The second thing is that by stretching forth your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of thy holy child or the, thy holy servant Jesus. And so the four things that the early church prayed for was one was boldness. The second thing they prayed for was that God would heal. And then the third and fourth thing is that signs and wonders would be done. So we prayed and I, I felt like there was some good juice on the, our praying. I thought, you know, this, yeah, we're, we're hitting a nerve here and I, I was pretty happy about it. And so we got done praying for that. And then I was sitting there and all of a sudden this came up out of me. It's kind of like a burden or like a I knew it didn't come from my mind, and it wasn't something that I was thinking about, but it just kind of came up on me. And I, I began to pray that God would restore awe and wonder. And I, I thought, where is this coming from? That God would restore awe and wonder, that we would be people that would experience, not just, that we would experience, be people that had filled with awe and the wonder of God. And, and so I prayed about that. I really felt, I mean, I even cried a few tears. Yeah, that was, that really was, we were going, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Lord, we need some awe and wonder. And I thought that was, I thought that was interesting that God would, uh, and so after I got done with that prayer meeting, I kind of went home and I started meditating. And, um, and so as I began to meditate upon this, I begin to see that there's some, there is a connection between the power of God and awe and wonder. Because when you look at the definition of awe and wonder, at first I looked up the word 
odd to find out what the definition was. And this is the Webster de de definition of awe. It is a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear, fear or wonder. The word awe means a, a, rever, a, a feeling of reverential, in other words, having reverence, having respect, having honor, uh, with fear. You know, the word fear is always, we refer to it always in a negative way. It's, and the word fear appears a thousand times in the, approximately a thousand times in the Bible. And most of the time it's used in a negative way, like 700 times or something somewhere around there, it's used in a negative way. In fact, we're commanded not to fear. Don't fear. Be, don't be afraid. You want to hear a really weird verse? When God gave the Ten Commandments, and, and you know God came down on the mountain, and there was thunder, there was lightning, there were mountains shaking, and all the people are like, whoa. And, and Moses goes, don't be afraid. Now get this, don't be afraid. God has come down, so his fear may be upon you. He said, don't be afraid. He wants my, his fear on me. What, what, what's going on here? This is like a double talk, you know. Don't be afraid. He doesn't want you to be afraid, but he wants you to have the fear of God. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And, and, if, and actually 300 times fear is used in a positive way. A lot of times it's translated honor. It's translated reverence. It's translated respect. Um, but it's actually a positive thing. It's, it's a positive thing to have the fear of God. Because what it means is I, I have respect. You know, one time I, I, was, um, um, I was in a church in, in Orlando. This is years ago. And it was a very large church, like 10,000 people. And I was there because there was an evangelist there. My wife and I, we went there to hear this evangelist. And, and so at the end of this sermon, it was a good sermon. At the end of the sermon, he started giving an altar call. And so, he, um, and so he dragged the altar call on. But as he kept dragging it on, people kept coming to the altar to receive Christ. How many know that's an important point? That's an important time when people are responding to an altar call to receive Christ. And, uh, but I noticed that when it got to be 12 o'clock, he was still going. And so church people, everybody say church people. Church people started to get up and leave because they had a dinner date or whatever. And so they, there came this stream of people out of the sanctuary during the altar call. And I remember I looked over during the altar call and I saw in the next section over two, two young people raised their hand, a, a, a man and a woman. And, and, you know, you could look at them and you could say, well, they needed, they, you know, they probably really needed God. But, but what happened was when they, when this sea of church people started to leave, these two people got up and left too. And I thought to myself, there's such disrespect in this place. There's such a lack of the fear of God in this place. Because how many know the Bible says that when, when, um, when a sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices, that angels in heaven rejoice when a sinner repents. You know, this is, a big, this is a big moment when sinners are coming to Christ. This is a big moment and everybody should be just hold steady. And some people say, well, maybe they were sinners that were leaving. I saw somebody with an usher badge. You know the sad thing about that? That church doesn't exist today. See, the thing is, is that where there is no respect, no reverence, no honor around the things of God, what happens is there's no power there. 
You know, it's interesting. And so there's two stories that, as I thought about this, that came to my mind. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6, if you will. And I talked about this a few weeks ago. But Jesus came to his hometown of Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And they had heard about him. They had heard all these statements that he's making, that he's, he's talking about, he, that he's anointed, and, and that all these things about him, and he was doing all these mighty works. And so he comes to his hometown of Nazareth, and, it's, and they said this. We won't read all these verses, but look at verse 3. It says, they said, the people of Nazareth said, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Josie, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. In other words, what they're looking at is they're just looking at, who does this guy think he is? He grew up among us. He's just an ordinary guy. I mean, he's just one of us. Now he's up there talking all big like he's some anointed thing. Like, what's going on with that? We know him. We know who he is. We know his family. We know his relatives. Who does he think he is? And it says, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Notice he said, a prophet is not without honor. He said, this culture is a dishonoring culture. This culture is a dishonoring culture. And he says, because it's a dishonoring honoring culture, notice the next thing it says. Now he could there do no mighty works, except he laid his hands upon a few so folk and healed them and marveled because of their unbelief. The first thing he said about this culture, he said, this is a dishonoring culture. They don't honor the presence of God. They don't honor the things of God. They don't honor the people of God. They don't honor a, the prophet of God. They don't honor that. He's a dishonoring culture. And he says, God says, I couldn't there do no mighty works. How many can see that honor and the power of God are connected? When there's dishonor, there's a lack of, there's a lack of a demonstration of power. You see, the thing about the fear of God is I don't fear God that he's going to do me some horrible damage or some terrible thing. But I fear God to the point that I want to hear what he has to say. I want to hear his voice. I want to pay attention. You know, you know I see this sometimes in parents. I want to talk about kids a little bit, so brace yourself, would you? But you know, the culture that I, the time when I grew up as a little kid, the culture was based on kind of the authoritarian parent. How many know what I mean? The authoritarian parent is a parent that basically, I, I, I look at that parenting style as being cruel. I mean, it was harsh. I mean, it was swift, uh, rep how do you say that word? Rep punishment. And punishment was pretty brutal. My grandpa used to, when, even if I acted up at his house, he would say, go out and get a stick. Make me cut a, cut a wisp, and then he would spank me with it. And, uh, I mean, it was pretty cruel. I mean, and that's, that's the characteristic of it. And I, I'm, not a, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not an advocate for the authoritarian parenting style. But the other extreme is the permissive. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And the permissive is pathetic. Amen. It's pathetic. And, and the, the bad thing about it is, how many know that kids need parents? And kids need to hear a parent's voice. 
Because there's, how I many know oh, there's danger out there? There's, there's things that are dangerous. I mean, for example, there are, there's physical danger and there's societal dangers out there. And a parent, or a child needs to hear a parent's voice. But a lot of parents are invisible to their children. When, when their parents talk, the children don't even listen. I, I don't want to get in a parent, but I'm going to relate this spiritually. That's why I have to do this for just a few minutes. How many know that, like, you know, it's like, um, it's like if, if, if your child, if, you're, if you tell your child to stay on the grass or to stay on the sidewalk, the reason you do that is because you love your kid. You know that if he goes out in the street, there's danger out there. That child needs to respond to your voice. He needs to listen. He needs to pay attention. When the, when the, parent look, when the child looks at the parent and says, that child has no reverence. And that if that child continues on in that way, there's danger. And that child needs to hear a parent. Because, I mean, are you smarter than your child? If you're not smarter than your child, maybe we should put him in charge. I mean, who's the adult here? I mean, who's the one that's got, got a brain? I mean, or got good sense? Is it you or the child? You know, here, here a funny story. I, my father passed away about three years ago. And so I had to take over some of his business and so I had to sign all these papers and and so I went to this one institution I'll try to be vague I went to this one institution and there was a, you know a lady there that my dad had done business with and so um, I had to sign some papers and so we were kind of waiting for the paperwork and uh, and so I was sitting there in her office and I thought well you know I'm gonna find out if this lady's a Christian she's a nice lady and I so I started talking to her about uh, salvation and kind of talking about her life, and, and she said that she grew up in kind of a traditional church, and she it wasn't a good experience, and she just vowed that she would never go back to church again. And her husband kind of felt the same way. They both grew up in that same environment. And so I, I started telling her about Jesus and about salvation, and she said, oh, I, I received Christ. I said, you did? She goes, I used to go to Bible camp year, many years in a row when I was a kid, and I, I actually went forward and received Christ. I said, wow, that's powerful. You should go to church. She goes, yeah, I probably should. And we're talking, and, and then all of a sudden I looked, and I saw a picture of her kids. And I said, oh, your kids, well, they don't go to church either. No, I, no. I'm, and this, this is what she said. Now, this is, this is dumb on steroids. She goes, I'm raising my child, my children, to think for themselves. And I'm going, think for themselves. Everybody in the world, every institution is influencing your kid. Every school, every, the entertainment world is, inter, is influencing your kids. They're trying to mold your kids. And, and you're sitting there going, I just don't want to, I'm taking my hands off. I'm letting, them be, letting the world mold my kids. That is incredibly dumb. But our, our kids need to be attentive to our voice. And we need to insist that they're attentive to our voice. And that's how it is with us as, as Christians. The, the, the fear of God means that I'm attentive to his voice. I want to hear what he has to say. I want, that's why every, every morning I try to spend time you know, meditating, waiting upon God, because I want to hear what, if God is speaking, I want to hear what he has to say. And that is an aspect of the fear of God where I'm, I'm attentive or I'm listening to his voice. Attentiveness is an aspect of reverence or is an aspect of respect. You know, like if you're talking to somebody and they're kind of like looking off into outer space, 
and you know, you know, like you can tell they're looking at their phone and playing on their phone. How many know that that's disrespectful? That person has no respect for you, obviously. And when we, we have the fear of God or the respect of God or the awe of God, there's a tentiveness that we have to his voice. We come into worship, there's an attitude that we have. When we, come, we don't go like, oh, yeah, we've done this, we did this before, you know. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. There's attentiveness. We're, we're, we're going to meet, we're, us and the saints are going to get together and we're going we're gonna to worship the King of kings, the Lord of lords, this awesome uh, creature or, or person that has uh, changed our lives. We're going we're gonna to worship him. This is awesome. And there's attentiveness, there's a reverence that comes with it. How many can see what I'm saying? Instead of just an attitude of, oh, hum. You know, familiarity they say breeds contempt, and you have to shake yourself so you don't become familiar around the things of God. You know, I, I was at a meeting one time, and, you know, God began to move, and, I, and, and this guy was, uh, you know, ministering, and, and all of a sudden he stopped. And, and at this venue, it was kind of a public venue, and so it, it had gotten de degraded into kind of a, like a, almost like a ball game, you know, it's like, uh, the, the, you know, they're watching the people perform in a sense. You know, that's what it felt like. And people were going up to the concession stands because we used to rent, you know, these auditoriums and they, and they make you have the concession stands open. So people were going up there and getting big slabs of pizza. And, and, and I remember I looked over at this one lady and it's right in the middle of this, you know, they're praying for the sick and God's power is there and it's awesome. And this one lady's like, you know, taking a bite out of her pizza and drinking a big soda and going, pray the Lord, you know, it's just like, there's just something wrong with this. I mean, you know, someone says, well, you know, God doesn't mind. Really? I mean, it's kind of almost like a carnival attitude. I mean, I'm trying to, uh, I'm probably getting in trouble this morning, but it, it, hopefully you can follow my, there's something that I want you to capture of the spirit and the attitude about the things of God, because Power, honor and power go together. When there's an honoring of God environment, where, where there's an awe of God environment, power is manifested there. You know, I remember several months ago, I heard this sermon where this guy told this story about, um, he's talking about the awe and wonder. And he goes, I, he said he talked about how he travels a lot, you know, like 100,000 miles a year. And so when he goes gets on an airplane, he has a routine where he puts in headphones and he just kind of sits back and kind of goes, you know, just let's just get this over with until we get to our destination. That's all he's thinking about. Just want to get there, just want to get there, just want to get there. And he goes, there was a little kid they had a couple rows in front of him and he was with his father and it was very clear that this was his first airplane ride. And so the little kid's sitting out, looking out the window and he's going, Dad, Dad! The men out there got orange, orange jackets on. They got like flashlights or something. And then he goes, Dad, Dad, they, they just brought the cart with our luggage on it, and it's got a ramp. Dad, do you think we're going to see our suitcase? Dad, Dad, he kept doing that. And then the plane started putting, Dad, the plane's moving. <laughs> and people, you know, instead of getting irritated, people felt endeared toward the kid because every little thing was like, wow, this is amazing. And then the plane started going down the runway. Dad, Dad, we're moving now. We're moving now. And then all of a sudden the plane lifts off. Dad, 
we're flying, Dad, we're flying. And then they got up into the clouds. They go, Dad, what are those white things? What are those white things? They look like marshmallows. What are they, Dad? Those are clouds. Clouds! And then, and then they broke through the clouds, and there was the sun. And the little boy lifted both hands and said, Dad, it's the sun! <laughs> and he said, when he watched that little six-year-old kid, he, all of a sudden it hit him. It spoke to him so strongly. Because to him, something that was just calm, he had experienced over and over again, had lost its vitality, had lost its preciousness, had lost its specialness. And, he, and God spoke to him and said, that's how you have to be around the things of God. You feel the presence of God. Whoa! Whoa! I'm feeling it over here! It's, it's like that, you know, I confessed to my kids one Christmas that I had never seen the movie Elf. Yeah, they had that same reaction. What? I mean, I tried to watch it a couple times. It's so stupid, I couldn't stand it. And they say, you got to see, how many have ever seen Elf? Yeah, you all have. So you remember that, remember that scene where Elf, where they're talking about Santa's coming? And he goes, Santa? I know Santa! I mean, he's all excited. They're like, what's wrong with you? Because at, at Christmas time, there's a Santa in every store. There's a Santa on every street corner. There's a Santa everywhere. It's just common, ordinary. But he goes, I know Santa! That's how we have to be. I know Jesus! He's the dude that saved me. He's the dude that delivered me. He's the dude that rescued me. He's the dude that's bringing me to heaven. He's the dude that prepared my life from the beginning of time. He's, the, he's awesome. He's wonderful. And there has to be a return to the, that, like, wow. That wow thing has to come back to us. Is Lauren going to lead worship today? Wow! Are you kidding me? They're going to lead us in worship? Wow! I love this song. It's my favorite song. Instead of going, we're going to sing that song again. We're going to lean back again another time. I Come on. Right? We just have to, we have to, the wonder, the honor, the reverence, the awe of God has to come back to us. Because God's not putting on a show just for a bunch of dis, dishonored. I'm not saying that you guys are that way because you guys respond well. But I'm just saying that that has to return to all of us. You know, there's a verse here. I want you to turn over here to another. This is the second passage that came to me. In 1 Samuel chapter 2. So there's a connection between powerlessness and dishonor. There's a connection between powerlessness and dishonor. There's a connection between honor and power. And we have to insist on... And I'm going to talk to you, and just after I tell you this story, I'll talk to you a little bit about how we can recapture that honor, that respect. 1 Samuel chapter 2, most of us know the story. Is It's about the children of Israel are living in, in the Canaan land, and, and Eli is the priest. But Eli is an old man, and he has corrupt children. There's two, two children named Hopni and Phinehas, something like that. And, but they were, and in verse 12 it says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt, and they did not know the Lord. And Eli wouldn't restrain them. 
They were corrupt and they did not know the Lord. So Eli was the priest. He was old. He had these two sons. And they were devilish creatures who were priests themselves and probably in line to take over for their father. But their, wicked, their wickedness corrupted the worship of God and created a culture of disrespect for God. Disrespect for God. Then if you look at verse 17, it says, Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. So in other words, they just treated it as common. So what you would do in that day, the priests would do in that day, they would, they would cut all the fat off the offering. They would put it in a big cauldron. They'd boil it. And then the priest could come with a three-prong hook or whatever and could take out meat out of their, and that, that would be their portion. But sometimes, you know, you reach in there, it's kind of like, you know, you know, a guessing game. You know, you, sometimes you get a good piece of meat, sometimes maybe not so good. Maybe you get some flank or something. And so they decided, but that was the way God set it up. But they, they thought, no, no, we want, we want the meat ahead of time. We want the fat also. And the other priest would say, well, you're dishonoring the offering of God. And they'd say, give it to us or we'll take it by force. And so they had no respect for the, for the offering of God. Then in verse 17, it says, Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering. Well, that was, verse, uh, tw that was verse 17. Verse 30 says, Therefore the Lord of God Israel says, I said indeed that the house, that your house, talking to Eli now, and, you, and your father's house would walk before me forever. But now, because of this disrespect and because of this sin, the Lord says, Far be it from me, for those who honor me, everybody say honor, and those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So God said, I'm going to cut off the house of Eli because they were, he was dishonoring and by exalting his children above the service of God. God says, those who honor me, I will honor. So, so this is a, I mean, you can see that this is a very dishonoring culture. Very dishonoring. Disrespectful to the things of God. Very, very, uh, it's an awful environment. So the children of Israel go out, the next chapter, chapter 4, says they go out into battle. And so they're beaten before the Philistines and 4,000 Israelites die. So they come up with a brilliant idea to bring the ark of God into the sanctuary or into the battlefield. And so they take the ark of God and, and, and Eli's two sons go with the ark of God out into the battlefield. And so what happens is the result is 30,000 Israelites die, even though the Ark of God is there. How many remember what the Ark of God is? You ever seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark? Okay, that's kind of a picture. It was an ark that had Aaron's rod that butted a, a, a pot of manna and the Ten Commandments in it. It was, it was representative of the very presence of God. God's presence was there. The mercy seat was on top of it. And the high priest would come once a year and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and it was a very holy place and 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 so it was it was it was kind of known as the presence of God and so they brought that ark into battle but not only did they not win the battle 30,000 Israelites died Eli's two sons died and the ark was captured when they came back and told Eli that his sons were dead and the ark was captured when he heard the news that the ark had been captured it says he fell over dead the one son's wife had a baby, and she called him Ichabod, the glory has departed. 
But the funny thing about it was, so here's the thing, even though there was power in that ark, it was a dishonoring culture and the power wasn't manifested. But to show the ark still had power is that the Philistines placed the ark in the, in the temple of their god, Dagon. Dagon. And so they bring this ark and they put it in their temple next to their god Dagon. And they come, in the, they come the next day and Dagon has fallen flat on his face before the ark. I think that's hilarious. And so they put Dagon back up again because Dagon needs help. So they put Dagon back up again. The next day they come in there, Dagon's again fallen flat on his face before the ark. But this time his head's knocked off and his arms are knocked off. They're thinking to themselves, we better not put him back up again. Humpty Dumpty has fallen off the wall. If we, go keep, if we put him back up again, nothing's going ha- to be left of him. But here's my point. See, there was no power of God manifested in a dishonoring culture. But in the temple there, God's power was still. So when the children of Israel, they're licking their wounds they're going, we're, we're defeated, and God didn't show up on our behalf, but in the temple, God says, I'm still working. God's power is still working. How many can see that? Think about it like this. They were defeated because they were dishonoring to God, but God was still working mightily in Dagon's temple. See, I, no matter what's happening, God's, God, how many know that God's working today? God's power is in manifestation today. But I want God's power to be manifested in my life. I want God's power to be manifested in our midst. I want God's power to be manifested among us. And I want us to have a, a God-honoring culture here. How many can see what I'm saying? So let me get to the, my main sermon because I always think, I, I don't like sermons where, where they say, you need this, you need this, you need this. Tell me how I do that. I always go, all right, I need that, I need that, I need that. Tell me how I do it. How do I at least, how do I get started? How do I get started to create a God-honoring? How many want to know that? Yeah. Let me show you one more verse here before I jump into that. See, to, we develop... The, the fear of the Lord or the awe and the wonder of God or a God-honoring God culture, one of the ways we do it is through a heart of gratitude. See, we don't think gratitude is that big a thing, but it's a huge thing. In Romans chapter 1, where, in verse 21, where it talks about the whole society goes down the tube. It's, this is the tipping point, is this verse, verse 21, without reading all the verses. But look at it in the ESV version. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him. There was no awe, there was no wonder. There was no reverence him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish heart was darkened. So notice how honor and thankfulness are connected. How many can see that? They did not honor him as God, neither were they thankful. So what happens to them? See, see, I'm thankful because unthankfulness transforms me into something that I don't want to be. See, I, I believe this, that you are here 
on this earth at this time by God's design. God ordained you to be here before the foundation of the world. I think that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit got together before time ever began, and I think he planned everything out. Because the Bible says that Christ was a lamb slain before the foundations of the world. And it talks a lot about that before the foundation of time we were in his mind, and there was a plan that God had for our lives, and there was someone that God wants us to become. So I'm becoming what I am. When you say, what do you mean you are? In other words, what God ordained me to become, to be, I'm becoming what he ordained me to be. But I have to learn to listen to his voice, and to listen to his voice, I have to be attentive. I can't be distracted, just like a child. If you're going to teach a child, you've got to say, pay attention. Look at me. Pay attention. And sometimes if you give them an order and they don't, you don't have their attention, hey, pay attention. And, you know, sometimes kids get caught up in something or they're like playing with something or they're doing something. You, go, you can't discipline them until you say, look at me. And I've seen parents do this. Look at me. Are you listening? Yep, listening. Don't do that. <laughs> like I'm going to listen to you. Well, if you're the parent... How many, how many know there's danger out there? And they need to listen. And if, if I'm going to become, listen to this. This might be a good point. If I'm going to become what I was ordained to be, I have to listen to him. And to listen to him, I have to have a certain amount of the fear or the awe of God over my life. I've got to be attentive. If God's talking, I need to listen. I need to respond. I need to obey. I know it's a word that we don't use a lot, but I need to obey. I need to respond to him. I need to obey. If God is speaking, I need to listen. I need to obey. How many know that, how many know that's true? And if I have respect or if I have awe of God, I will. So the tipping point here was they, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. And so they became. See, you know, I was thinking about this. I wrote some statements down here. I'm almost done, everybody, so that's good news. Even though I probably need to hear this, right? See, the fear of the Lord, this is what I wrote down. Fear of the Lord means he has my attention. He has my respect. He has my awe, my wonder, my reverence. I'm not afraid of his wrath or going to hell. I'm afraid of not hearing or missing what he says. Stop! He's talking. Stop! Everybody, stop! He's got something to say. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss a word of it. He's got something to say. What he's going to say is going to transform my life. It's going to cause new things to happen in my life. I'm going to another dimension. I'm going to another level. He's talking to me. Be quiet. He's talking to me. Instead of going, you're chewing gum, you know, whatever, you know. How many can see what I'm saying? Okay. I'm not afraid of his wrath, but I'm afraid of not hearing or missing what he's saying. I'm afraid of purposeless, empty existence. I'm afraid of not becoming who I am, who I was destined before time to be. I'm afraid of myself, my wisdom, my knowledge. I'm afraid of becoming a selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making me happy. I'm afraid of becoming that. Without his voice, I will, because his voice gives direction. 
I'm not afraid of his punishment. I'm afraid of silence. Amen. So how do you, how do you respond to this? So the first thing is thankfulness. I'm going to quit with this. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. In other words, remembering what he's, what he's done. Looking for what he's doing. You know, like, when, when something, you know, sometimes people, something happens in their life powerfully. And they just kind of write it off like it's, yeah, well, whatever. You know, maybe it worked out just because. I, we ought to make a big deal about that. Every time something happens, no matter how small we might think it is, we, may, we need to make a big deal about it. I, I, you ask my wife, you know, because I, be, I used to be thankful for things. Like somebody would do something, I'd say, thank you. I, I would think thank you. Do you ever do this? I think thank you, but I don't say thank you. I say, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. But I don't say it. So now I've trained myself that every time I think thank you, I say thank you. Say thank you to God. Every time I think thank you, I say thank you. When somebody does something to me, every time I think thank you, I say thank you. Because I want, to, I, want to, I want to be aware of what God's doing. I want to be aware of things. I want to be aware of his moving. It's like, it's like you know, a detective comes, when he comes to a crime scene and they're trying to solve the crime, they dust everything for fingerprints. They, they know something's happened, but I'm gonna, I want to find out who it is. I'm like that about the things of God. Something's happening. I want to find out. I want to, his hands on this. I'm looking for his finger. His, his fingerprints are on this thing. I want to see it. I want to know that God is working. I'm still, you know, we've come through some hard things as a nation, as a people, but, but I'm still standing. It wasn't pretty, but I'm still standing. Are you still standing? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm still standing. Why am I still standing? Because the Bible says God is able to make them stand. I don't take that lightly that I'm, I'm standing because of him. See, when the children of Israel were licking their wounds, feeling defeated, humiliated, etc., God was working mightily in Dagon's, in Dagon's temple. Do you know what God's working mightily today? And I just want to see, I want to, I want to be able to see. I don't want to just go through life where stuff, God is doing stuff, God is saying stuff. I don't want to just go through life and just not have, he doesn't have my attention. I want to go through life, I want, to, I want him to have my attention. I want to say, oh, there, oh that, that was God. This golf shot was, it's usually ugly, but it turned out good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Then when, it's, when, it, turned, when it was ugly, I go, that devil devil's a meanie. He's trying to bring me down. Trying to tell me I'm not worth anything, but I am. You know, I, I don't know anything. Let's all stand together. I don't know. This sermon maybe didn't flow as good as it could have, but, but just look at the context of it. Contents of it. The content is really important because honor honor Reverence, awe is tied to the presence of God. 
I'm not saying that, you know, you, you need to go through life sour, so serious that you're a sourpuss. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I mean, the, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I, I believe in joy. But I, I just know that there's a, it's a time in our lives, in the life of the church, that we need to be able to hear God and see clearly, to have clarity. And, and to do that, we need to hear God's voice. So let's close our eyes just for a minute. Do you have a song we can sing? Let's close our eyes just for a minute here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. If we're his sheep, we'll hear his voice. I'm not talking about hearing voices, but God does speak to us, speaks to us primarily through his word, but he does give us impressions. He does have a voice, but he wants to speak to us. Without us hearing the voice of God, we're never going to become what he, before the foundations of the earth, ordained for us to be. Because it's not automatic. Some people say, well, it's automatic. No, it's not automatic. He, or, he ordained it or he planned it out before the foundation of the world. But he does give us the freedom to choose. Am I my sense of reverence or my sense of awe or respect is the thing that, or even attention, is the thing that causes me to hear his voice. That's why quiet time, which I know parents with the little kids are going, are going to mock me later when I say this, but, but quiet time is so important because I can, I can hear. My Bible is so important because he speaks to me through his word and I need to hear his voice. And I need to have the, be the type of person that when he speaks, I am so fired up about it. I am so elated about it. I am so awestruck about it. I'm like that little kid because the Bible says, except you become like a little child. I'm like that little kid on that airplane. Clouds, clouds, God's, God said this to me. Wow, that's awesome. It's wonderful. So let's just pray right now as we're standing here. Lord, just pray that, tell God you want to hear his voice. Just tell him that. Lord, I want to hear your voice. Just tell him that, Lord. Tell him that. Lord, I want to hear your voice. Just tell God that. I want to hear your voice. I want to respond. I, tell God I will obey. If you say I will obey. I will respond to you. I will respond in obedience. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your reverence, your presence. You said in your word that smart people tremble at your presence. They tremble at your word. They're awe and reverence of your word, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's kind of a weird message to preach on a picnic day because we're going to go out and we're going to laugh and scream and holler and I'm going to beat everybody in cornhole game. And that's what it's... And, we, and I don't want us to walk around like statues, but... But I just think when we get around the things of God, there has to be an attentiveness. 
a respect, a reverence, an awe. So Lord, I just pray that the fear of God, the reverence, the awe of God would come over our lives afresh and anew. Afresh and anew, Lord. Afresh and anew. Hallelujah. So let's sing this song as we do. Just, just meditate on that. The fear of God coming over your life afresh and anew. Let's go ahead. Sing. Go ahead. Sing.
Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. I feel God's presence here. It's in an awe, an awe, awing way. That's, is that a word, awing? Awing way. Praise God. God's presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Just take a couple more minutes. Just wait for just a couple more minutes. Praise the name of the Lord. Just you're standing there, just worship. Just have, let God have your attention. Just be attentive right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. You have our attention, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Open up, O river of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We magnify you. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are beautiful beyond description, Lord. Hallelujah. We pant as a deer pants for the water book. We soul, our soul pants after you, O oh God. Longingly, Lord, we long for your courts. We long for the river of God to open up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. River of God, open up in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Majesty. Majesty. Mighty, mighty God. Mighty, mighty God. Hallelujah, mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. How many know God's good? Hallelujah. How many feel something in this place? Not all of you? No matter what I say, how many's not going to raise your hand? No matter what I say. You're not raising your hand. Can I see your hand? <laughs> Praise God. Well, I hope that you got that. I'm going to ask the prayer counselors to come forward. We're going to pray, um, give you an opportunity to be prayed for. If you have a need in your life, um, whether it's spiritual, physical, whatever, we're going to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. And, of course, we don't have refreshments today because we have a, a dinner. I think we're providing the meat, and then we're going to eat whatever you brought. But um, usually there's more food than we can all eat, and everyone's welcome. There's no fee. It's a picnic, and then I think the horses are here. So, anyways, I'll, I'll pray. Father, thank you for this great atmosphere, God, of the awe and the reverence of God. Thank you. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And just pray, God, you bless our fellowship today. Thank you for this food we're about to receive. We receive it with thanksgiving. Give your people this week an amazing week. Let them be struck with your awe and reverence. We just thank you, God, for it. May they have your peace on their lives this week and your favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody agree, say amen. amen. And God bless you all. You're free to go. If you need prayer, please come forward. Be prayed for.